content warning, this episode we will read a page that deals with and discuss sexual assault. Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 854. Say no more. Alec waved his wooden mug like a king granting a boom. You'll have my own tent piled with furs and blankets a foot deep. He made a gesture over the fire to where Fren and Josh sat. Go set it up for him. That's all right, I protested. I can manage it myself. Hush, it's good for them. Makes them feel useful. Speaking of which, he made another gesture at Tim. Bring them out, would you? Tim stood and pressed a hand to his stomach. I'll do it in a quick minute. I'll be right back. He turned to walk off into the woods. I don't feel very good. That's what you get for eating like you're at a trough, Otto called after him. He turned back to the rest of us. Someday I'll realize he can't eat more than me and not feel sick afterward. Since Tim's busy painting a tree, I'll go get them, Laren said with thinly veiled eagerness. I'm, I'm on guard tonight, Otto said. I'll do it. I'll get them, Keat said, exasperated. She stared the other two back into their seats and walked behind the wagon on my left. Josh and Fren came out of the other wagon with a tent, rope, and stakes. Where do you want it? Josh asked. That's not a question you usually have to ask a man, is it, Josh? Fren joked, nudging his friend with an elbow. I tend to snore, I warned them. You'll probably want me a little way from everyone else, I pointed. Over between those two trees would be fine. I mean, with a man, you normally know where they want it, don't you, Josh? Fren continued as they wandered off and began to string up the tent. Keith returned a minute later, leading a pair of lovely young girls. One had a lean body and face with straight black hair cut short like a boy's. The other was more generously rounded with curling golden hair. Both wore hopeless expressions and looked to be about 16. Meet Kryn and Ellie, Keith said, gesturing to the girls. Alex smiled. They are one of the ways in which Levenshire was generous to us. Tonight, one of them will be keeping you warm. My gift to you as the new member in our family. He made a show of looking them over. Which one would you like? I looked from one to the other. That's a hard choice. Let me think on it a little while. Keith sat them near the edge of the fire and put a bowl of stew in each of their hands. The girl with the golden hair, Ellie, ate woodenly for a few bites, then slowed to a stop like a toy winding down. Her eyes looked almost blind. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Who boy? Yeah, it's like this is the moment where it all turns really grim. <laughs> it does. Yeah, the minute that they say bring them out, I'm like, no, I don't want to know. Like, I know, but I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, and it's very clinical, right? There's no reaction from Quoth. There's no color from the narration. It's all very much diegetic. Here is what happens. Here is their mm -hmm. action. Here is what they do and how they look but we are not privy one little bit to Quoth's inner thoughts here. No, but we don't need to be for us to be appalled and to have the sense that Quoth is appalled. In fact, not having access to his inner monologue is, I think, the better choice for for letting us sit with the, the horror of it. Because also, like, the fact that he doesn't give anything away to the other people sitting around the fire tells us something about him as well um they're eating the stew yes yeah isn't that a problem 
that Quoth will cover. He co- solves that problem. We'll cover that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, I'm just like very concerned for their well-being. Yes. Well, <laughs> I'm glad somebody is. Yeah. It's really <laughs> chilling the way they talk about them, right? The way they just sort of, without a second thought, like wheel them out. Well, they're like a product to that, exactly. which is blech. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm very stricken by the way each of the girls process the trauma. Like on this page, it's uh, Ellie who sort of like needs to be like, like, like a toy winding down. That's a really great striking metaphor. And we'll continue to kind of see how she kind of is running on autopilot where uh, Corinne is, is the one who still kind of has her wits about her. Um, you know, that's on, mm-hmm. a, that's on future pages. Yeah. One of them has, is still in the kind of like, I'm going to fight back. I'm going to resist. And one of them is like, it's better if I just don't, you know, if I'm not here, if I just disassociate. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a, that. That is a verisimilitudinous depiction of how different people can respond to the same kinds of of trauma. It does seem that way. I don't know anything about clinical, well, you know, beyond what I like have encountered myself in my life. I don't know anything about like clinical trauma responses. I don't know if this is. It feels real. It feels real. Yeah, it definitely feels real. And it makes sense that different people would react different ways. Yeah, yeah, or they might just be at like different stages in their own response. Yeah. Well, we right? also we will later learn that Ellie is like a bit more sheltered. She's like the wealthy burger burger's daughter, and so she sort of like has no frame of reference. Whereas I get the sense that Krim is a little bit more used to hard living and and has mm-hmm. some walls up. But we'll get there. Maybe if 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 uh, Ellie's from the burgers and Krim is from the fries, get out. <laughs> you know, if we're going to inject some brevity, I do want to talk about one of my favorite metaphors for having diarrhea, uh, which appears on this page. Painting a tree. Painting a tree. Oh. That's right. Yeah. And that, I thought that was just like peeing, but I guess it makes sense because he's obviously like having tummy trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the mental image of him like doubled over, like yeah. ass in the air, just shooting diarrhea halfway up a tree trunk. Yeah. And, like chilling from a shotgun. Yeah. It's graphic. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to try to include that in my repertoire mm-hmm. of poop metaphors. Yeah, and like th- we do get a little bit more characterization of the of the very minor characters in this gang, and they all suck. Like one of them is just like like a dumb like you know high school kid making gay jokes about his friend. Like, yo, I bet you know what to do with it because you're gay. Yo. Yeah, exactly. And Alec is a bit of a tyrant. He's like you know casually cruel. It makes them feel useful to like go do this manual labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. He likes to boss people around, and they all all the men want to like go and get the girls from wherever they've been keeping them. Uh, and I think Kate stops them, not because I don't think she particularly cares how these girls are treated. I think except she's just they, fed up with them. Yeah, like I think she's like they're going to like spend twenty minutes like fooling around with them rather than getting down to business which is what i'm going to be doing because we later learned that kate is also kind of the one who like uh, takes care of them you know make sure they're like fed and dressed and whatever and i think she does it not because of compassion but because no one else could be trusted to do it yeah well she seems like brutally practical i don't even know it's about trust it's just like you know this isn't going to get done unless i do it yeah and it's and it's we want them in like reasonable condition to be useful to us later yes Right. Yeah. That's, I think brutal practicality is exactly the right term. Like she's not, she doesn't 
care about them as people. She cares about them as a product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, Rothfuss does a really good job of setting us up to hate these people and then to be glad when they are uh, dispatched in brutal fashion. Yeah. Which is a trick I think George R. R. Martin also played in Dance with Dragons, or at least like is trying to set up. We'll see if he pays it off. But I think it's similar. We've talked about this on the show before, how we have a character both here with Quoth uh, and with Daenerys in Dance with Dragons and the, the slave uh, culture where the heroes adapt, adopt rather brutal tactics to deal with people who are irredeemable and we the readers cheer along with them and then i think the 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 punchline of that the payoff is that our characters have learned that these brutal tactics are appropriate to use against enemies or at least like drawn equivalents between all enemies and these the types yeah, who, against who, people deserve, who it. deserve it exactly yeah. and then later when they bring those same tactics to bear against people who we the readers maybe don't agree deserve it quite so much we have to wrestle with the fact that like this is how they got there. So I suspect that's where the payoff for this is going, is that Quoth is learning about like brutal tactics. And again, to tie into what I was talking about yesterday, like brutal justice, that it's like appropriate and Quoth is empowered to meet and out we'll this justice. will be upset when he kills the Poet King. Yes, exactly. Like what if, and you know, maybe it isn't even like a they didn't deserve it situation. Maybe we'll encounter another situation where like the Poet King or whoever does deserve it just as much, but that time they're not just like bandits masquerading as Ra. That time they're someone who will be missed. There will be more serious consequences. Exactly, exactly. I do think that this is is part of a like a one-two punch. That this is the first time we're going, hell yeah, good job, Quoth. And there's like no consequence for Quoth because no one's going to miss these Yet. people. <laughs> and then the next time he does it, there's going to be a consequence. But of course, what Quoth will learn from this is that this, this worked, right? Like his cleverness works perfectly here. His skills are perfectly suited to, to this. So what Quoth learns from this is like, I'm empowered to do this, to meet out this kind of justice and it's good and right. And of the Lothani and of the laws of the Ra to do it. I think that that is a little bit of a stretch. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I think that I he think might feel he that learns... way, like psych or not psychologically. Uh, the the kind of thinking that's not forefront. Um, Lizard brain, subconsciously. Subconsciously, thank you, Jeremy. Because what his reaction after having murdered them is not, I did the right thing and it was good that I did it. He does not feel that way. He was like, that was really horrible, and I hope I never have to do it again. Which is the correct reaction? Indeed. <laughs> are we are we out of notes for this page? Do we I mail? think so. I think we've covered it pretty pretty uh, aggressively. Okay, I can read another letter. This is uh, from Caitlin from Texas, who writes on Touching the Loot Case. Hello, all. On page 807, you discuss whether Quoth is more enraged that the Adem have touched his loot case and moved it to the base of the sword tree, or if they see slash revealed to him to all present as a musician. Something that is brought up in book one early on is when Quoth first meets Denna with a traveling troop away from Tarbine, there is a musician with his lute, and he talks about how touching another another's instrument is like touching someone's woman, very intimate and not appropriate in most situations. The case was also given to him by Denna, and as we know, Quoth has very few belongings, making the lute case that much more precious to him. It's exposing him for who he is and crossing the boundary of touching his lute without consent. It is very serious to him in every way. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Warmly signed, Caitlin from Texas. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's how I read it 
on that page is that he like anybody i think or maybe just like me he really doesn't like it when other people touch his stuff without his knowledge or consent and the loot and the loot case are perhaps the most precious possessions that he owns except maybe the shade but like i think he cares about the loot more than he cares about the shade if he had to like choose one to throw in a fire he would keep the loot i think so too the loot case is also potentially a bit of a shibboleth for uh denna shibboleth synecdoche one of those great words to start with s that that means something funky uh, a shiblectiki if you will. yeah a shiblectiki <laughs> for denna uh he doesn't like you know he doesn't like spoon it although maybe he does i don't know but, <laughs> he doesn't tell us that he doesn't yeah but it is something that denna gave him it's very precious and i think that it is part of that caitlin i think you're you're right is that in addition to being exposed as a musician and the fact that they like well also i think we talked about this they they didn't go under his bed he left it with shaheen right or with vashet he he was packed to go that morning and vashet was like leave that stuff here uh so i think he's misremembering a little bit because he just like left his stuff including the loot with vashet at that time this does raise one more thing i wanted to mention on the show and there's no time like the present i forgot where i read this possibly on the discord and if so i'm sorry for not giving you credit but Denna gave him the loot case. Denna knows there's a secret compartment in the loot case. Quoth is keeping the parchment that has the pictures of the Chandrian from the mouth and vase in the secret compartment of the loot case. I think it's very likely that Denna will at some point check the compartment and find the parchment with the picture and use that to finish her story. Or at least to like imbue her story. Like Denna knows something that no one else does and Quoth has hidden something that he thinks no one else knows about uh, in that place where he thinks no one else knows to find it. So Dennis is perfectly to, positioned to get that information. I want to clarify about the loot case. He he doesn't leave it with Vashet. No, he, he does not leave it with Vashet. <gasps> no, it's like he just, she just shows up at his door one day and is like, "Come with me. Your test is tomorrow." Oh, huh. Wait, wait. Is that this? Is it for this? That's the stone trial. No. Oh no, she's gone nope. for the stone trial. All right, forget it. If only someone was reading this book very closely and could give us these details. <laughs> All right, well, we'll continue to read this book closely on tomorrow's page. Uh, the Wind. wind.